It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Yes, we'll talk about the indictments, but I think you know what I'm going to say. And we said we'd get to some more state-focused shows. I didn't think we'd do one this fast, but there's a huge election in Ohio that we just have to talk about. So we asked David Pepper to come back and uh, give us his take and what we need to know. David, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. Uh, Alex, uh, where should we get started? Oh, man. So we've been talking about having David on the last couple of days because uh, of the, the big issue one vote, which we'll get to definitely. But we got to talk about the indictments, guys. Huge, huge indictments. Um, the word conspiracy comes up a lot. Um, John, I know I'll let you get there. But he was indicted on four major counts uh, in the Jack Smith investigation. Conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to uh, obstruct an official proceeding, a couple others, but but this one was was pretty hard hitting. So Joe, I know it seemed like a lot, and but you said at the top we all knew what you were going to say. What are you going to say? Uh, look, it's clear from Jack Smith's indictment, uh, which everyone should read. He urged in his statement uh, that he made yesterday that that every American should read, he encouraged every American to read the indictment and, and you should, I think we'll put a link to that in our show notes for those of you who haven't been able to read it yet. And it, this was a coordinated attack on democracy. The word conspiracy is refer, you know, repeated an awful lot. But, you know, I mean, when you ask what I'm going to say, it's that this isn't going to change anything in the GOP primary. I'd love to get uh, David's take on that, but uh, that's that's my my initial reaction is uh look, it, it didn't change on January after January 6th in terms of uh his strength among the MAGA base. Uh it certainly didn't happen on any of the two previous indictments and um and with these you're already seeing you know, you know, Republicans coming out of the woodwork to defend and, uh, you know, it's the weaponization of the judiciary and, and the Department of Justice and all, all, the, all the stuff that, uh, you know, it, we've seen the movie before and they're going to continue to do it. And I don't think it's going to shake the mega base from Trump at all. Uh, you know, David, I'd love to get your take. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's momentous. It needed to happen. It's necessary. Um, and, you know, the more transparent all these facts are, the better. Uh, this, was, this is this moment in our history that 
it was close to, you know, if Pence had gone along and good for him for not, they had plans to have the military put down rioters, meaning pro-democracy rioters who would have stood up. That's So they had violence as part of their plan. It was gone back for months. And I like that this whole thing tracks way beyond just the events of January 6th that everyone saw, and it rolls it back earlier on so people can see that Donald Trump knew full well that he had lost. Everyone was telling them that. They knew that. Yet still, they were trying to, to not have a transition. That's that's the legal side. Two things. One, I agree. It won't change the primary, although I think it could impact the general if he ends up being the candidate. Two, here's my number one thing. Everyone note what happened last night. Watch it. But here's the bottom line, and I know you feel this like I do. None of us, if we're not on the grand jury or the jury, or we're not part of the DOJ, we can't do anything about this. Nothing we do will change what happens here. We should watch it, of course. But what we can do is help save democracy on the ground. And that's why, obviously, issue one in Ohio the next week is so important, and Virginia is so important this November, and on and on. So what I worry about with these moments is it gets all the attention, as it should uh, initially, but don't let that distract you from the fact that, that as much as this trial is needed and accountability is needed, most of us, the work we all do on the ground will have a lot more impact on democracy than simply watching this and seeing what happens. Uh, so it's it's good news, but it, it and it is it's it, I don't want to just whine about it, but it's way late. I mean, this should have been done earlier. I don't understand the long delay. It is what it is. I'm not going to sit around and whine about it, but I hope they can get this in in time because this this is clearly why Donald Trump is running. He's running to raise money to to pay for his legal bills. He's uh, he's uh, running to be able to say this is the weaponization. And he's running because if he wins, he gets to throw the whole thing away. But one thing I'll say finally, one reason it won't affect the primary, and Alex and I were talking about this before we got on, his opponents all basically say Trump is right. Here you have your, the, the what, the third or fourth indictment, is it? Or maybe a fourth one's coming. And from Tim Scott to Ron DeSantis, Pence said something pretty good yesterday. I'll give him credit. Christie's saying the right thing. But if your own opponents in your primary literally say this isn't because you're guilty, this is because of the weaponization of the DOJ, of course your core supporters aren't going to lose uh, you know, their support for you. Even your opponents are saying you're right. So this group of goofballs clearly don't know how to run against someone when at the moment of maximum vulnerability, they actually confirm what he is saying as opposed to saying what Mike Pence said, which is, when you violate the Constitution, you actually shouldn't be running for president. Good for Mike Pence for saying that, but I'm embarrassed for Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis and the others. J.D. Vance did the same thing in Ohio, who basically echoed Trump's disinformation about what this is all about. Well, here, you know, here's to make that point. Uh, you know, the New York Times Siena poll uh, uh, that came out yesterday, a few days ago, you know, it's, it says MAGA Republicans make up 37% of the GOP primary electorate. And here's a factoid that's pretty amazing. Zero percent. I mean, we're talking out of the 319 people in that sample who uh, call themselves MAGA Republicans, zero, zero out of the zero. 319 said he had committed serious federal crimes. Zero. Now, that 37 percent is enough to hand a candidate the nomination, uh, especially with a crowded field. but. Here's the rest of the story. 30 of the remaining, you, you know, uh, 63% of the, of the GOP electorate, 
37% are still willing to vote for Trump. You know, they, they didn't agree uh, with the MAGA to 0% that he had committed no serious offenses, but they're still willing to vote for him. It's, those are almost worse. They're still willing to do it. You know, that's the, the problem here for the field, and I think for the party, and this is why I think Trump takes him all the way to the November election, is, and you see this, by the way, when you look at the polling now and the head-to-heads of for Tim Scott and, and, and DeSantis and, um, and others, when they're tested head-to-head against Biden, Biden performs better against anybody else uh, than he does against Trump. Um, uh, and I think that's because when you actually look at it, what's happening is the, the MAGA group that thinks he did no wrong when they're given another name, say, "Now nah, I can't, no, nah, I can't vote, no, nah, I couldn't vote for for Tim Scott. I'm not going to stay home." And so, what's really, you know, th- they can't win without that 37 percent, without all of that. That's how polarized and how close the election is, particularly in these in these marginal battleground states. That they can't win unless they get every single one of that zero percent crowd. Who thinks he didn't commit a crime? That's why they have to go out every day and say, "No, this is w- why." David, you're right. This is why they're out there saying it's the weaponization. I mean, that they cannot say that this was wrong. He committed serious offenses. That it need, you know, they needs to be held held accountable because they lose that right. incredibly, you know, ironclad base that he's got at 37 percent of the party. But, but here's, but here's to me the problem with them long term on this. They create that 37% and they create that zero. When if you're not in that 37%, if you're part of the 63% who doesn't, who isn't all there, and you're like, I this Trump guy seems crazy. Let me look to see what his opponents say about it to figure out what really happened. Well, his opponents are saying he's right. So they are solidifying all the support for Trump when they too say, oh yeah, it's it's not real. He didn't do anything which almost all of them are saying. So, so it, oh, it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it, I mean, you remember when Trump started out as a candidate going down that escalator, he was at maybe 5%. But over however many years, they've all kind of catered to it, kowtowed, been silent. And since he's the loudest voice in the room and they go along with it, the number just keeps getting bigger and bigger. They've never learned the lesson and they're doing it even today. And so, yeah, the rest of that, beyond 37% will read the tea leaves and think to themselves rationally, well, gosh, if Tim Scott or Ron DeSantis says it's not bad, he didn't do anything wrong, then he must not have. So they're solidifying it all. Well, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of almost the inverse in a lot of ways of, of, of when we got polling in the last stages of, of 2020, where you'd, every once in a while you'd see a poll that has like 15% undecided. And it was kind of like, if you're undecided about Biden and Trump in October of 2020, like, are you really? Un- it's like the 25 or the 37 percent Joe mentioned that are still persuadable that could vote for Trump. Like, they're gonna go vote for Trump at this point, and the numbers back that up. Like, the persuadable is like if you're not part of that 25 percent that are turned off for Trump, you are totally in the can. Like this thing, if if that poll bears out, which every indication it does, this thing is over. I thought it for a long time. It's also really a very weak group of candidates, too. Well, but you saw that in the head-to-head with DeSantis when they take, you know, when it's just you remove the rest of the field, 
Trump is creaming him, you know, in, you know, sixty something to to low thirties. And then, but I, but I also think the most interesting piece of that poll, uh, you know, where it looked at the Republican vote, was that only twenty five percent are not willing to. I mean, it, it's not only twenty five percent. In other words. The poll said only 25% are not willing to consider Trump. But think about that. It's 25% is a big number in the party who already are not willing to consider Trump. And so that does make up, it does explain why, you know, a DeSantis or, or, or Tim Scott have, you know, eight, nine, whatever, wherever they are in the polls. But it also says when Trump is the nominee, that 25%, that's the group that in the past has stayed home or frankly come across the aisle in 2020 or 2022, which uh, is part of why the red wave didn't happen. But that, that's the group that is really, uh, you know, really possible that could be part of that difference in places like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Georgia, et cetera. So it's like they can't win by taking him on because they lose the base. But if they keep him, I agree with you, David, it starts to, that 25% that won't consider him in the Republican Party, that's a bigger group than it's ever been. So it is growing. Uh, and that shows the weakness in the general election, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think he'll win. But I actually think he's a worse candidate. If we do our job, he's a worse candidate in 24 than he was in either 20 or 16. It's all backward looking. It's all about January 6th, it's not about this broader issue that he talked about in 16, where he kind of won over some people who might have voted for the Democrats in the past. So yeah, I think he's a worse candidate. Um, take nothing for granted, but but I think that there's real opportunity. Um, and the extremism that's come, the extremism that was exposed by Dobbs that he's embraced, he's claiming credit for getting rid of Roe. I think that's been the driver of politics ever since. And if 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 we're smart. We let it be the driver going to 24, not just for the presidential race, but all the way down these ballots all across the country. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. We did promise to talk about Ohio, so let's get there when we come back. That Trippy Show will always be free with support from our advertisers, and we try to work with partners we believe in. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you keep what's stressing you bottled up, it can really start to drag you down. That's where therapy can help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com trippy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash trippy. Support for That Trippy Show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, Visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. David, you talked about the extremism, and I think this is a good way to kind of bridge into Ohio. I mean, Frank LaRose, who's the 
current Secretary of State in Ohio, who's running a pretty MAGA Senate campaign right now. You talked about how all the candidates defending Trump, I mean, he was right there. He said, no one's above the law, but no American should tolerate the abuse of our justice system to prosecute and persecute political opponents. That's what they do in third world dictatorships. It's not who we are as a nation. And then at the end, he says, fortunately, we still in a world, live in a country that honors a presumption of innocence, although the left is working hard to destroy that too. And you know, he does say the quiet part out loud, where he says, every time this happens, President Trump's support just gets stronger. But like, that's it in a nutshell, right? He's the Secretary of State. Think about that. This is a guy in charge of running elections, saying that what happened, you know, in January 6th, you know, he's clearly excusing it or trying to dismiss it. He's a perfect example. This was a guy I've interacted with Frank Rose many times interpersonally before he was Secretary of State when he was a state senator. This is a perfect encapsulation of what's happened. He was a moderate working across party lines in, uh, expressly. He, he was trying to not be the right winger. Uh, he, he said a few years ago as Secretary of State, I won't endorse. He was going to end gerrymandering. And over the last four years, he's a perfect example of the sort of new generation, the Hollies, the, the Vances, who on a dime have flipped to go from seeming wanting to be that old moderate, which is really, he would talk about it. I interacted with him when he would talk about that to becoming MAGA because he senses that that's the future. And so his Senate race now, it's a completely different look than four years ago. And that's not to make you feel better about him. I'm so disturbed by the people like LaRose who are willing to flip who they are, just change who they are because they're eating tea leaves. It's a really disturbing trait. This guy is about as, as dishonest as anyone I've ever seen in politics, including Trump. And one of my lessons in life that I try and express in the book is, don't let the Trump brand uh, make you think that's the, that's the only type of person attacking democracy. LaRose is far more civil looking. He's, he's polite. He has attacked democracy. We'll talk about this with issue one. He has attacked democracy more fiercely, more brutally, more effectively in Ohio than Donald Trump ever has as Secretary of State. And that's why this last week in Ohio is so important, because what he would do if he succeeds in issue one is, is more than Donald Trump ever did here. And sometimes when we only view the world as democracy, it's, its fate is only about the Trump election, we blind ourselves. It's people like Frank LaRose and a whole lot of anonymous state legislators. They're as right-wing as Marjorie Taylor Greene, but they're passing laws and they're overseeing elections like LaRose's, and they're the bigger danger long-term, partly because we don't see them nearly as clearly as we see Donald Trump. Well, that's something I've been saying um since the indictments came out too, that, you know, the conspiracy that Jack Smith, uh, you know, lays out in those, in the indictments um, does not end with the indictments. That conspiracy is going on today. It continues writ large in state, in, in the laboratories of autocracy that you talk about in, in that great book. There are minions out there who are continuing to erode democracy and stop it in its tracks. So, Alex, I know you had. Um, I really want to get to the issue one stuff, uh, David. Sure. Uh, tell us about you know again it, it, voting on issue one, raising the requirement for ballot initiative to pass. Uh, you know, from a majority to sixty percent. I, I just want to get your your uh, our listeners for you to cue them in about what this all really means. Yeah. Well, let me just, uh, to go back to your point about January 6th just being the, the high-level point, 
the largest funder of issue one's campaign by far, you'll know this guy, I think he's from Illinois, is Dick Uline, a billionaire who was a January 6th supporter with his money. Well, no coincidence, he's now given $4 million to run this effort in Ohio. So what is issue one? Issue one is a special election next week in Ohio that was rushed through the legislature, a constitutional amendment to raise the threshold to basically end majority rule in Ohio by saying to amend the constitution in Ohio, you must reach 60%. And the reason they're doing that is because a few months ago, after Dobbs and an abortion ban in Ohio, with no exception for rape or incest, forced a 10-year-old rape victim to Indiana to get an abortion she could not get here, people began to gather signatures, just like in Kansas and Kentucky and Michigan, to have a constitutional amendment here to protect choice in Ohio. That polling shows that it's a 60% issue, meaning 60% of Ohioans support a woman's right to choose. The far right knows that. Like everything else they do, they know their position is unpopular, like gerrymandering voter suppression. They are rigging the rules that have been in place for Ohio for more than a century to up the threshold to 60%. So what would clearly be a losing position for them in November becomes a winning position if they can get 40% to vote no. That's what it is. The problem is, it's much bigger than that. As, as the people behind the scenes, and I just wrote a substack on this earlier today, they understand that they have lost every single referendum in America on abortion since Dobbs. They need to come up with a way to stop that losing streak. And this is, will be their way. If they can convince people through all sorts of dishonest ads about that somehow left-wing groups have been taking over the Ohio Constitution, which has clearly not been happening. That's a, that's a laughable joke, to be honest. And it's all about parents' rights. If they can convince Ohioans in an election that no one's paying attention in August, and that's been their hope, to move it to 60%, then they can stop their 0 for 6 losing streak when it comes to abortion itself in November. So this is about Ohio, and it's about majority rule on many issues. But if this works here, they will take this to any state where they can to make it harder in any state for the people of these states to fight back against their gerrymandered extremist state houses. So it's big here, but it's got national implications. And, you know, my title, my book, as you mentioned, Laboratories of Autocracy. Part of the reason I use that title is because they're always learning from their successes and failures. They failed in Kansas. They failed in Michigan. They're learning from it. That's why they're trying to rig the rules. If they succeed in Ohio, moving to 60%, they will learn from that, and it will come to other states quickly around the country. So it's national, and it's long-term. It'll, it'll end up also stopping things like potentially the minimum wage going up or a change to end the gerrymandering that so poisons the politics of our state. So it's about this November, but it's also way beyond this November. Yeah, I mean— Alex and I have had a lot of experience in this. Uh, we've done a, a initiatives, and the, the interesting thing uh, is pretty, you know, remarkable about the sixty percent because that's always been a very difficult number to get to anywhere, and particularly on the, it's much easier to be on the no side of uh, of an initiative when you have to hit that number, when the yes has to hit that number to win. It's, you know, people basically, when confused, vote no, right? Uh, right. I mean, it's a, dedicated, a, a dedicated effort with millions can kill it, even if it's popular. It gives them an incentive. Oh, we, we wouldn't have been able to kill it at 50%. 
But if all we got to do is get to 41%, yeah, 10 million bucks will kill it. Yeah. And, we, so, it. yeah exactly. and the point I was making is, uh, you know, we, we've won two, two of those races where uh, initiative battles where the no side would have that kind of advantage. And, and we, I think in one, we got 60.5 and the other one, we got 61. I mean, both were, they, they were both big historic victories to get to that number. But it just the, the out of all of them, those are the only two. You look at Michigan, you know, their very popular abortion rights amendment got got fifty seven percent last year. So under these rules, uh, under this if issue one passed, Michigan wouldn't have that abortion rights amendment. Well, you, you think about you know when when we go and, and and like you said, Joe, we've done a ton of ballot initiative work. I think fifteen plus over the last ten years. When you go in and you're looking at whether you want to do an initiative, you do a baseline poll. And our number has historically always been, if you're not starting at 60 as the yes side, you chances are are not going to make it to it to you're not going to win just because it, it starts eroding and starts running. Well, you're not going to make 60%. it to We're not going to make it to 50. If you right. don't start that's at 60, the, yeah. at 60 the, you're that's not making the advantage it to the no right. side has. This is exactly what David's talking about. Well, and you know, you've seen this all over the country. I mean, there's rules like, I mean, I remember when Arizona changed the rules so that like you couldn't pay signature gatherers per signature anymore. You had to pay them by the hour because the same, same reasoning on this, a little, little farther down the causal chain. I mean, Michigan changed the rules halfway through one of our initiatives once. Like this is a very common tactic, but Joe, to your point, I mean, they do learn, they will take this to other places. Like this is, this is why this one is so important. David, what is it looking like right now? There's one way to think about it, too, is the fr as, as you and I have talked about before, the front line of their attack on democracy are these gerrymandered state houses. They're basically hijacked institutions. They win them, they gerrymander them. The people of the states are largely left out of their own governance at this point. What do they do once they have these hijacked state houses passing extremist bills that that like the like the abortion ban in Ohio, only ten percent of of Ohioans support. They figure out what's every potential way this state house could be held accountable. What's every potential check on that state house, and how do we eliminate that threat? They tried to eliminate that threat with Moore v. Harper through uh, the threat from Supreme Courts. They're trying in Iowa. You may know this; it's not far from you. Get get rid of the powers of the Iowa State Auditor, who happens to be a Democrat. In, in, in Georgia, get rid of the powers of local prosecutors like Fonnie Willis. In, in, in Carolina, when Roy Cooper won, it was get rid of his power. We don't want him interfering with our out-of-control statehouse. Well, in Ohio, the last potential threat, now they've gerrymandered intensely, illegally. Now that they've got the Ohio Supreme Court in right-wing hands, the last potential threat against their crazy right-wing bills, the only way to stop those bills at this point since they have the courts and they have a gerrymandered legislature and a cowardly governor who signs on all of it, the only threat left is the people of state speaking out through a constitutional amendment. And just like, and this is a national sensibility. They, they look for these threats everywhere. So this is not only about 50 to 60 and it's about majority rule. It's eliminating the final shred of accountability they potentially face if they get rid of this there's nothing left. There's one other part of this, by the way, that also will become part of a national. In addition to the 60% requirement, they've taken the signature requirement. You mentioned this in your other efforts. And they've, they've said that you must hit a threshold of signatures 
in all 88 counties, meaning if you fall short in one county, there's no election at all. So 0.15% of this state, one county, could stop 70% of the state and the other 87 counties from even having an election, which is, which is clearly a poison pill for the whole thing and an invitation to meddle in the signature and gathering, uh, uh, in the signature gathering efforts of, of, a, of a, a petition drive. And by the way, you know how we just had the largest bribery scandal in our history only a few months ago, led to a 20-year sentence for the former speaker? What was one of the key acts that led to the conviction? They were using millions to meddle with the gathering of signatures. Now they've created a system where if they simply kill a signature gathering effort in a single county of 15,000 people, no ballot initiative at all. That's also in this thing, greatly overlooked, but a complete poison pill uh, to having these go forward in the future. So David, it seems to me special election, it's all, or a lot of it is dependent on turnout. Um, what what do you see there? Uh, obviously, it's really important. Anybody, uh, you know, folks in Ohio or are in, listening from Ohio, pay attention uh, to this specifically because getting making sure your vote's in is, is really going to matter. But but David, walk us through where you see things now, given what would be traditionally a very low low turnout sure. election. I suspect well, it's not going to be that low turnout, which is good. We've seen very strong early vote the last couple of days, surging especially. I put out a call a few days ago. There were 65,000 absentee ballots in people's homes not yet returned. I have an effort right now to reach those. It's working. So we're seeing a real surge of early vote. That's the good thing. But as I write in these newsletters, I write doing these videos, they are, oh, and beyond the early vote showing up, they are also, they've been underwater in the polls for the entire election. People seem to see through this. They seem to be connecting it to the abortion issue. The problem is, as we've been discussing, these guys are always underwater in the polls. Almost every issue they care about is unpopular. So how do they how do they deal with that? They do everything they can to keep our vote from showing up. That's why it's an August special election when they hope people are asleep. And then they pump up their turnout at the last minute as best they can. Remember the caravan in 18. That was to get their turnout up. It's to create an artificial majority on election day by scaring the hell out of their side. They're doing that right now. They just dumped five million bucks into a, these scare tactic ads that have nothing to do with issue one. And so, even though early votes been good, and the polling's been good, they're doing what they always do in that exact situation: everything they can to get their base out, the base we talked about that doesn't think Trump's anything wrong. And that's why people should take nothing for granted. They're doing tactics that have worked for them in the past. And so, yeah, anything people can do to make sure everyone they know in Ohio votes votes early or on August eighth. Please do. If you follow me on Twitter at David Pepper, I'm always going through things and links that people can use to help. Uh, but but whatever you can do, know that their plan is always to come from behind when they're underwater. That that's that shapes their entire battle. They're doing it now. There's a monstrous TV buy they just put in last yesterday. Five million in Ohio in one week is a heck of a lot of money. Our side's got a decent amount of money trying to close that gap. So anything folks can do to just make sure, as you said. It still is going to be low turnout versus, let's say, an even year. We need to not get surprised by their turnout and make sure we turn out in huge numbers as well to beat this thing, just like Kansas did a year ago. And we'll put we'll put links in our show notes about how how people can can link up and help. Guys, that's a great and positive for once place for us to end because we are just about out of time. David, did you have anything else you wanted our listeners to know about? 
No, just I, I so appreciate that we're all on the same page. You know, we, we got we, we all care about the federal indictments and all these cases and all that. But the battle, if, if we win those cases, as important as that is, but we lose battles like issue one here, if we had lost that Wisconsin Supreme Court race, or we don't flip Virginia this November, and if we don't focus on state houses next November, we may win a battle in a federal court somewhere, but we're not winning the long-term war for democracy. And that's why I, I so appreciate your continued focus on these battles, because this is the heart of it. This is the front line from their side. The good news is people are figuring it out. We have a winning streak going. We won in Kansas. We won the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. This is the next one we have to win. And I really appreciate your, your focusing so many of your listeners and, and those who respect you on these, on these types of races, because this is the front line. Yeah, no, it's it's true. Uh, as much as we we focus uh, on on the presidential, um, which is obviously important in the federal races, the the one thing we've got to put more and more and more focus on is the is at the local and state level. And I think we're catching up largely due to people like you, David, in your book. I think uh, you know everybody should should read uh, what David's been writing, uh, and we'll put links in in our show notes. And by the way, they go together too. I mean, winning at the state house level helps Joe Biden get reelected because you're competing in all these places. You're knocking on doors in all these places. We should be winning not just Arizona for Biden. We should win the Senate seat and we should flip the Arizona state house. It works together. When we don't run at that local level, we make it harder for Joe Biden or, you know, Senate candidates to win these races. So they complement each other. No, I mean, that's right. And, and when we don't, then it allows the extremists to 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 take those kinds of seats. That then it helps what we're seeing out there: the the the, the autocracy uh, uh, of Donald Trump uh, and the attack on our democracy. Thanks, David, for coming, and thanks everyone for listening to that trippy show. If you want to know how to help in Ohio, check out our calls to action at jointheunion.us. We'll also put links in our show notes. A reminder that this podcast will always be free and is part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash Trippy. Please subscribe to that Trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. Uh, we'll try to get to uh, more of your questions, uh, listener questions in the next few episodes. You can always send us a question to that Trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question and review on iTunes. See you next week. Thanks, David, for being with us.